Forgiveness was always oh, the precious blood of Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to pause and say, Thank you, Jesus. I want to say, Lord, I thank you for the blood you shed on Calvary. I thank you for the name that's above every name. I thank you that you sent your only begotten son that I might have new life and life more abundantly. I thank you. Oh, I thank you today, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 And let the church shout amen. I bet many of you didn't know that Pastor Stefan could play the keyboard, did you? I know, right? Ah, uh, it's amazing, man, right there. Amen. God's using him in so many ways. I have. Uh, I'm here to announce or to introduce somebody I'm very close to, and who I love very much. Who has, like the prodigal son, <laughs> come home to his father's house. Oh. Uh, I want you to give God praise for the ministry of Nan Nix today. Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. God is so awesome. I'm telling you. Oh, I'm going to jump right into this because I could tear up so easily right now. God has been so good to me and my family. I'm so thankful to be standing here in front of everyone today. I'm honored. You guys are good. Uh, let's go to the word of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 13 and 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Today I want to talk just a little bit, and the youth knows I tend to be short, about hope for the kingdom. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be here today, Lord. Lord, anoint my lips of clay, Lord. Let me speak to these people for you, God, in Jesus' name. You are an awesome and mighty God, and I give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. So, we've all heard this verse. It's one of my favorites. One gets said a lot. It's a verse that's used to preach and teach by ministers worldwide. In every language, whole devotional studies can be found on faith and its necessity to our salvation. Entire shelves of books have been committed to diving into godly love. This morning, I want to talk a little bit about hope. The Lord has put this on my heart, and I want to share it in the hope that I can encourage us this morning. Often, when we talk about hope, we almost do it negatively, as if it's our last chance to see something that we secretly don't really ever expect to see. I hope I win the Powerball. I hope it'll all work out. I hope I'm saved. Hope seems to be the thing we turn to when we've tried everything else, and now, we just want to sit on the edge of defeat and wait 
for something to happen. That is not at all what hope is. The world would love us to think that hope is the last ditch effort, that there is no joy in hope, that the only sure thing is hopelessness. Paul teaches us in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. The world would love for us to fall asleep and ignore hope. A life lived without hope is gray. You don't notice the sunshine, you can't really taste your food, and your sleep seems like just a way to pass time from one disappointment to another. So much of our world seeks to rob us of our hope, to subdue us into a mild-mannered waste of life. I know firsthand the emotions, or really the lack thereof, that can consume us, make us feel like there is no hope for tomorrow or the next day. I know all too well how we can convince ourselves that it's easier not to expect anything better because there's no disappointment that way. However, I also know it is amazing to have your hope restored. I know with the overwhelming peace and the joy that comes to wash over you, you get to enjoy the sunshine again. You look forward to hearing the birds chirp in the morning. And you're not looking forward to your sleep, but you're enjoying the life that you're living because it's what every sweet dream you've ever had is made of. It's peaceful. I won't lie to you, claim there won't be any hard challenges that seem too big, as there will be. I will, however, shout to anyone that will listen that with hope in God, you can weather any storm with a song of joy in your heart. Oh. God is so good. He really is. God is so good. He's the author of our lives. He has from the beginning intended for us to have hope in him. In Genesis 3 and 15 it says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. This passage is after Eve ate the fruit. God came looking for Adam and Eve to spend time with them in the garden. And he sees what has happened and tells them the consequences of their actions. None of us really enjoy that part. But if you watch closely, this verse has something else in it too. God was talking to the serpent. Adam and Eve were there. They heard the promise that God gave. That one day, the descendant of Eve would crush the deceiver. It was a spark of hope in a time of deep despair. See, God created us. He knows how the human soul works. And he knows that without hope for a better future, we can't function the way he designed us to. Paul tells us in Romans 15 and 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what is the definition of hope? Hope is an optimistic state of mind that is based on an expectation of positive outcomes with respect to events and circumstances in one's life or the world at large. As a verb, its definition includes expect with confidence or to cherish a desired anticipation. 
Hope implies waiting, but waiting for jo- with a joyful and optimistic attitude. Hope also implies obedience. We can't hope for a financial blessing, have faith that God will give it to us, and then never move off the couch to go and find where it is. Faith produces obedience, which produces hope that brings peace into our decisions and joy into our actions. We're not just supposed to have hope, but we're supposed to overflow with hope, spilling peace and joy onto everyone we come in contact with. I want to look a little bit deeper at hope as a concept. What's the concept of hope? And according to Charles Snyder's hope theory, hope has three elements. One is having goal-oriented thoughts. Two is developing strategies to achieve those goals. And then three is being motivated to go after those strategies, to do the work. An individual's belief in their ability to realize these, comp- these components determines the likelihood they will develop a sense of hope. Let's apply these to our Christian walk and see what we can use to keep us focused on striving towards God's promises. One is being goal-oriented. Our goals should always be to show God's love to the world. In Luke 6 and 35, it says, But love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind and unthankful. He is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Two are strategies. Serving the kingdom and sharing the gospel in love and truth is a great strategy to show God's love. In Colossians 3 and 23 and 24, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Number three, number three can be a tough one for all of us, is being motivated to actually do the work. Perseverance in our convictions, no matter the cost or the challenges. Romans 12, 11 and 12, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Now, we can see that hope has several actions associated with it. It doesn't just fulfill itself with the passage of time. Keeping that in mind, let's look at the book of James. James 2 and 26. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. I'm not saying that we're saved by works, so stick with me for a minute. And this could change the way you look at your life. Faith and hope are complementary. Faith is grounded in the reality of the past, and hope is grounded in the reality of the future. Without faith, there is no hope, and without hope, there is no true faith. I think this can best be illustrated, the joy a child feels when their father tells him, we're going to an amusement park. The child believes that they will go just based on their father's word. That is the faith portion. At the same time, 
That belief within the child kindles an irrepressible joy. That is the hope. The child's natural trust in their father, and the, their father's promise, is the faith. The child squeals with delight, jumping up and down, telling everyone they know, getting ready to go before, you know, a month before it's actually time to go. That is hope. The actions that their hope inspire show the level of their faith. So much of that Bible excuse me, highlights people of great faith. Noah had faith that God would cleanse the earth and built an ark in the hope of saving his family. Abraham had faith that God would make him a great and blessed nation. And in the hope of that promise, he left his family in comfort. David had faith in the anointing that God put on him. And in that hope, he slew giants. We could go on, Joseph, Moses, Joshua. These pillars of faith had so much hope in the promises that God gave them. They had as much hope in the promises that God gave them as they did faith. Without hope, there would have been no action. Having faith that something will happen is not what inspires the action towards the goal. And it is the hope that we have that inspires us to move in faith to what God has promised. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God has given us a promise to hope in, not just in this life, but more importantly, in an eternity spent with him. The hope in that promise is what we are striving for. If we were to go back and look at the beginning of that chapter in Jeremiah 29, we would see that God is telling his people that are exiled in a strange land to make homes, be prosperous, have joyful attitudes, do good in the community, because they won't be there forever. It's like we aren't going to be here forever. Our hope is in our future with God and his kingdom. Paul says in Hebrews 6, 11 and 12, we want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. There is hope eternal in the new life that God has promised us, and there is abundant peace and joy that God, in his amazing love and mercy, has bought for us. As Christians, we focus on faith and love, and these two are absolutely key to our hope. With faith, we believe. With hope, we act. And with love, we share. That's it. That's the secret to abundant life on earth. It's the hope for a better life in God's kingdom. I, like I said, as promised, short and sweet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> In emphasizing the profound importance of hope, though, we cannot neglect the Apostle Paul's words in Romans eight twenty four and 25. 
Here, I think Paul really captures the essence, the relationship between hope and faith. He says, For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. This passage shows us the nature of hope. It's not merely a passive wish or a fleeting dream, but a confident expectation of God's promises, even when we can't see them. True hope is grounded in the assurance of the things unseen. We don't just hope in the way that the world does, in the way the world would have us to. They don't use the term the right way. It's not a simple wish for things to turn out well. Instead, our hope is rooted deeply in the promises of God, anchored in the certainty of his word. When the trials of life press in, the world seems bleak. We have to remind ourselves this divine truth. We aren't hoping in mere possibilities or chances, but in God's unchanging promises. We don't see the fullness of our salvation yet. We don't see the entirety of God's glorious plans. We believe, and therefore, we hope. As we wait with eager expectation, our hope becomes active force, driving us to perseverance and to cling to our faith. We don't see, but we believe. We intertwine this understanding from Romans 8, the rest of the scriptures I shared today. A wonderful picture emerges. Faith fuels our hope, and love becomes its expression. Faith fuels our hope, and love overflows onto everything we do. Hope isn't a mere afterthought. It's an essential piece of our spiritual journey. As we pursue our life in Christ, let us be people of unyielding hope, waiting with joyful anticipation for our internal inheritance and sharing this hope with a world that is in desperate need. If we could all stand. If you're here this morning, you've ever felt hopeless, if you've ever felt like you just don't know what to do right now, if you're here and you have a promise that feels forgotten, I invite you to this altar to renew your hope this morning. If you need prayer this morning, the prayer elders will be here. We're happy to pray with you. And if you've never given your life to God and had an opportunity to live life with hope, that can change this morning.
Will you meet me here again? Sing it. Forsaken, the Lord is in this place. Oh, the Lord is in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, to dry bones awaken. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. Mm. But Jesus, but Jesus, Mm. thank you, son, for delivering the word of the Lord. What a beautiful word of the Lord this morning. I am the pastor of this church and I have been for some 30 years and that boy that just preached this morning has seen a little bit of everything the good the bad the ugly what you saw this morning was a result of Jesus Christ keeping his promises because he said train your children up that when they're old when they're old no matter where your kids at right now what they're going through grandkid grandson nephew niece I don't care who they are do not stop praying for your family never never I couldn't give him hope I tried did you hear me I tried I couldn't give him hope. In the depths of his despair, I could not give his wife hope. I could not give his children hope. It was only Jesus Christ that could come and make a difference, make a change. But hear me today. Jesus is only part of the equation. Because Jesus will not do what you refuse to do. You see, hope is something that has to be fueled in the human heart. It's already been given from heaven. It's an absolute. But the human heart has to turn. (laughs) Has to decide, Noah, to go differently than it was going. The human heart has to say, Lord, I accept your hope. I believe your hope. And therefore, I'm going to act like I have hope. So I don't know who you are today. You have no, you have no idea how hard. This has been easy in the last few minutes of the moment. But you have no idea how hard he had to work to get to this moment. Today, I just, I want to encourage you. 
I, I, I could just stand up here and weep for a little while because the Lord made me a promise and I got news for you. He keeps his promises. I got news for you. He is a God of... He keeps them. I said he keeps them. Tamron, he keeps his promises. And when he speaks to you and says, everything's going to be all right, I've got them. You gave them to me. I got them in the palm of my hand. I will never leave them nor forsake them, but I will go with them always. I don't know who, you're, I don't know who he preached to this morning, but that was, woo, that was powerful. And it's not just because my kid, I told him today, I said, this is not your sermon. This is the word of God speaking. And the hope that God is trying to extend to some of you here today, no matter where you're at, maybe you're hopeless. Maybe there's some things that have invaded your hope. I don't know today, but I do know this. There's an altar here. There's a place right at your seat where you can lift a hand and say, Lord, I'm sick of this hopelessness. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, you can do that today. You can make a change today. You can do something today. And in this moment, God can move you to a different level, a different place. How many believe that today? Come on, come on, come on, come on. If you believe that today, I want you to gather around this altar just for a prayer. Come on, let's, let's gather around, if you will. If you feel led of the Holy Spirit, come on. I, w- I just want to just renew our hope today. Come on. Come on, that's it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Come on, all of us. No pressure from our guests. Just know that, hey, we just want to gather as a community. We want to just come and just come on. Let the Holy Spirit touch you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, unless you come, oh, will you meet me here again? Oh, just like the first time, cause all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? Not for a minute. Say 